It's fascinating to hear a party member speak a sentence that used to mean something. And yet, in the hands of the party, it means nothing. Jen Psaki said something. Again, I think, as you heard the president say last week, uh, standing up for our values is not without cost. Indeed. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Yeah, there's a little sloppy editing on my behalf. Again, I think as you heard the president say last week, uh, standing up for our values is not without cost. Not without cost. Such a fascinating thing to hear from her. That suddenly, once again, there's a cost to our values, but there's you know, the, the cost of the debt which is purposeful in crushing the country. Well, we can't possibly live within our means. Our principles of law and order, we can't possibly rein in the drug cartels or secure our border. The cost of our principles, we can't possibly stand for the principles that children are not the playthings of adults. No, those principles are too costly. But when it comes to a discussion on things like gas prices and Ukraine, and when we're not even doing anything to stop, the the sanctions weren't designed to stop Putin. And that's what Biden himself said. None of this was designed to stop Putin. We're still going to speak the language of principles in an unprincipled era as we are now using the principle of racism to nominate Supreme Court nominees, to, 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 to use racism to solve racism. But our principles, man, those, those come at the cost. Peter Ducey simply asked Saki about gas prices. And how does this relate to the Supreme Court? It does through her consistent answer her consistent pretense of principle thanks jen following up on weeks question a lot of focus on the economic pain in russia potentially from these sanctions but what about the economic pain here Uh, the russians are saying they think gas prices in europe are going to double how high could they get here well, I think, again, Peter, and as I said to Ouija, I mean, some of this depends on what President Putin does. So as he is suggesting what the impact will be around the world, it's all based on what his actions are, just to be very clear about it. What the president is focused on and is working on is taking every step we can to uh, to communicate with, coordinate with, engage with uh, big global suppliers around the world to minimize the impact on the energy markets. But even without all this going, on gas in california is almost five dollars a gallon should people across the country expect to see that kind of a number when they go to gas up their car five dollars six dollars well again i think as you heard the president say last week uh standing up for our values is not without cost 
what we're trying to do is minimize that cost. So I don't have a prediction of it right now because we're trying to minimize the impact on the global energy market. That, that woman is, is snaking through everything. We're standing up for our principles by not limiting the amount of energy Putin can sell. That's how we're standing for our principles. And the snaking around in this is because they're trapped in lies. When you're trapped in a lie, have you ever been trapped in a lie like your little kid and you know you got caught and your parents caught you at something and you continue to concoct turns and angles to the story? Well, no, I said it was Tommy's, uh, but no, I, 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 I didn't mean, I didn't mean uh, Tommy, I meant Lisa. So you got Lisa and Tommy confused. Uh, I just remembered wrong that Lisa is not Tommy. There's no principle here but power. And this is what's most disturbing about the SCOTUS process is, as we talked about yesterday in regard to Putin and Putin taking reparations, Putin is simply an extended version of what the party allows within the United States. The party allows cartels to function. They allow gangs to function. Um, they allow crime. They allow smash and grab. They, are, they allow all of this in the name of equity, in the name of getting what was taken from you because of the, the you know, all white people being evil thing. So they allow it. They, they foster it. They, in fact, promote it and pay for it. So Putin can take the same principle I'm angry. Ukraine was taken from the Soviet Union. I'm going to take it back. It's the same principle. These are the principles that we're dealing with. We deal with the power principle in all of the party is the power principle. There's no logic. There's no love. You can't find the love. I changed my mind. Find the love. Find the logic. Love and logic go hand in hand. So you end up with this dynamic. At the very tip top, the figurehead has selected a woman who is there because she's black. Now, is she a qualified person? Doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Because the root of all of this is a decision to employ racism to solve racism. And incidentally, it's not just the racism front that has me concerned. I'm going to continue to talk about SCOTUS this way. We have too many lawyers on the Supreme Court. And I know everybody thinks when I speak that it's insanity. Except for this, you don't have to be a lawyer or a judge to be on the Supreme Court. You certainly don't have to come from Harvard or Yale. And you certainly don't have to be part of the family. And this woman's husband, she's related by marriage to Paul Ryan. That's a problem. That is a ruling class behavior. And we see this constantly with the party. And we see the constant comparisons of racism. I was just this morning in show prep. And I got a tweet about a January 6th defendant who decided to kill himself. And he didn't enter the Capitol. His his. The write-up on this guy's death is heartbreaking because he didn't break in. While he was there, he apparently stayed within the ropes, the velvet ropes. He didn't break anything. He didn't even touch anything, according to this uh, this write-up. And yet, he killed himself. 
because he was pursued. Because his government wanted to punish him for entering an open door through which police waved him. Come on in. And he was pressured in society. And he was pressured and bullied in society. And so he saw fit to end his life. Meanwhile, Patrice Colliers continues to live in a $2 million and then some dollar Topanga Canyon home. She's one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter Incorporated, which is a terrorist group that succeeded in getting cops murdered and cities burned. That was their goal. They got it done. You see, you can't have principles that are actual principles in a dynamic like this. The only principle that you have is you have the power principle. And that's what's at play. And it's racism because racism is a form of power. It's a form of autocratic, erratic power. Because as Mark Stein has said, tyrannies are always capricious. They have to be by design capricious. And from the top of the SCOTUS nominee, selected because she's black, because that's what the figurehead said was priority, a black woman. One of my listeners asked a great question. Scott Dumman asked me this. Does this mean that as we go down the intersectional totem pole, since the chromosomes, DNA of people is what's most important, that means that we have to have an Asian man. There's no Asian man on that on that panel. On the Supreme Court. So the next guy has to, the next member has to be an Asian gentleman. This is racism full up front and racism runs counter to God because God created all the races. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. That's Acts 17 verse 26. The Lord loves us equally. Genesis 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Pardon me, Galatians. You're one, all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28. The poison root of placing this woman in the courts or to possibly be on the court perverts the entire process. Her background no longer matters to me because the ends do not justify the means. If the means are racist, the end is racist. Racism cannot be justified or corrected by racism. And this is the dynamic that the party has set up across the country. And what is so disturbing about this? My wife and I talk about this sometimes. My wife has more tolerance for people who are evil and know they're doing evil because at least they have a principle, a power principle, right? Their principle is we crush and we take. And particularly when people admit, yeah, we're going to crush you and take you. At least they're honest. At least they have the virtue of honesty. We're going to crush you and take what you have because we can. Where she gets frustrated is people who are unable to see this and get themselves sucked up into a circumstance of evil, particularly when they have power over others. Now, again, let's relate this to childhood. Have you ever been in a circumstance where you're a child and you realize you have done something, you're in a situation that is horribly wrong, horribly bad, and you as a child don't have the tools to get yourself out of it? I I remember a specific circumstance like this. 
there were some boys out in a field where I lived growing up. Everything was either field or woods across the street from where I lived. And some of the boys were playing with matches. And they were lighting matches and tossing them into the dry grass. And it was so stupid. They were literally spinning in a circle, starting a fire around them. And I stood there and I was a little, little boy. I, I, was, I wasn't even in school yet. So I would have been four, maybe five. And they were doing this and I was, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have the tools to say, stop, that's stupid. But I knew it was horrible. And then the flames took and I, I, I went running away. And there was an even littler boy with us even smaller. And his dad somehow thought we were doing something to him. We weren't, we were just running away from the fire and, and thank, thank the Lord grownups got out and they stopped that thing before the fire engines had to get there and stop the whole thing. But they, they arrested the flames. But I remember watching this happening, realized, man, I'm in trouble, man, this is awful. I, and, but I didn't have the tools to say, you stop. Cause there's a little kid, stop. What are you doing? Or to kick the flames out or to slap the matches out of their hands because they were older teenage boys. I didn't have the tools. This is happening from the top because the party is modeling this and people get sucked up into this. Listen to this conversation. This is from what you would one day have called a school district in Issaquah. Issaquah is in the separate country of Washington State. Issaquah is a pretty well-off suburb of, of Seattle. It's on the east side. Lots of Microsofties, lots of Boeing people, recently lots of Google people, beautiful homes, beautiful community. It used to be a school. Listen to the Issaquah School District Board, school board, defend having meetings that are racially segregated. Listen to this this dribble and then see if you agree with me that these people are trapped, that they have to know this is wrong. They have to know what they're doing is racism. They have to know it's fostering hatred and distrust. I do want to say a few words. Um, I'm sorry for anybody who feels that that was an indication of segregation. Um, it was really an intent from the board to be able to hear from uh, our historically marginalized families. We wanted to be able to have an environment where they could share freely and honestly and feel vulnerable. And so we have heard from those families before, and we understand that sometimes the environment isn't comfortable. So having them surrounded by other people similar to them makes it easier. So our intent was to create a more welcoming an environment and to be more inclusive versus to exclude anyone. Um, we did change our language on the wording. We listened to some people that have given us feedback. All of the meetings are open to any families to attend. And we invite you to either attend one or more of the focus group meetings or fill out the survey. But our intent is to be expansive and inclusive. So, so does that explain it? From the very top, the poison of racism is used to defend terrorism. It's used to defend theft. It's used to defend smash and grab. It's used to defend open air drug dealing. It's used to defend allowing sex trafficking in separate countries like Seattle because it's racist to shut down the camps. It's racist to, to, to lock up drug dealers. It's racist 
to make an effort to actually curtail the gang violence. That's all racism. But holding a meeting that is specifically and and outwardly says this is just for so-called people of color, that's not racism. And the people in that clip that are trapped in this and this apparently white woman talking about them. They need a place where they can feel safe, where they're surrounded by people like them. As those words escape her woke mass draped face, she's speaking the language of separation. She herself should say, and therefore I have no business in the room. Therefore, I have no business representing people because a a white woman with a woke mask cannot represent black people. Likewise, when do we get to the, to the, we have the now black national anthem. When do we get the black Supreme Court? Why do we stop at, we just have to have a black member. When do we get the black Supreme Court and the Asian Supreme Court so that we have these separate tracks of justice? And don't think that this isn't being done. There are cities in Canada where, where they have Muslim courts. You can opt for a Sharia court in some instances. Because we must respect all cultures. And in doing so, we must degrade ours or have no culture. Now, again, you go back to childhood. And the reason I compare this stuff to childhood is because it is an age where you go from innocent and are suddenly confronted with the realities, the sin problem of the world. Can you remember either being excluded in an unfair way or excluding others in an unfair way. I'm haunted by some of this stuff because my life shifted due to my, my dear departed friend and a beautiful, beautiful man who was on a, he, he, he had no guile. He, He had, he had no bitterness. He was this most deeply misunderstood young man. He's just this, this kid who every girl admired because he was so good looking and, and so attractive, even, even older women. I'm not saying this in a creepy way, but they would notice, wow, he's, he's going to be a heartbreaker. He changed my life. In fifth grade, he took me out from a group that was oppressed in school. Geeks. Well, I don't know what we'd call them. We never had a name for ourselves, but we were just depressed. And, and, and he brought me into the cool group. And my life changed on that day. Now, it turned out that he was an incredibly gracious and kind and loving friend. And as he grew into a man, was an incredibly gracious, loving, kind, beautiful, guileless man who died way too young. But I can remember with deep regret, looking across the fence at kids with whom I used to play, making eye contact with them. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with this group now and you're not. That's, that's, that haunts me. And I knew at the time, this is wrong. And I can remember my mom saying, And I think she was suggesting it was wrong. Why don't you play with Evan anymore? Oh, well, he and I aren't friends anymore. What happened? Oh, I have new friends now. And I'll never forget the day that kid blew his top in school. I was part of that. I abandoned him. 
I didn't have the tools to go to him and say, hey, I'm sorry. You're not cool enough for me now. Look at the society these people are building. You're not black enough to be in the court. Because once you give in to the sin of only black people can be on the courts in this particular seat, we now need to get into the question of just how black are you? Same thing you can do with gay people is is how gay. And that's a question that we should be asking as we get into this intersectional madness driven from the top by the party making its way into school districts. Phenomenal. Hey, later today, we're welcoming a, uh, well, we're we're welcoming him now. Uh, But later today, I'm going to interview a guy who's become a friend, Tim Cruikshank. Tim is a 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL. Um, He is retired now. And he has founded a company that will not back away from their values. Their values are on the bags of coffee they sell. It's Bone Frog Coffee, which is incidentally the the finest coffee I've ever, ever had. My family agrees. It was kind of a thing of beauty. My daughter enjoys flavored coffees. She's a teen. And she came down and had some of the Bone Frog Coffee and said to me, this is delicious. Is that that Bone Coffee? It's Bone Frog. She had the medium roast. So this is a veteran-owned company. Their values are God country team. They put them on the bags of their coffee, God country team. Like, and sometimes I guess there's a shortage on bags or something. So now it's on a sticker, God country team on some of them, but it'll go back on the bags. This it's a non-negotiable value. I've asked Tim Cruikshank about this. Hey, when you start getting calls from big retailers to put bone frog coffee in the shops and they say, but we can't have you saying God and stuff. He said, no, it's non-negotiable. Never, never changing. And look, there was a coffee company that was founded by veterans and they just lost their way. It's a different coffee company. They came out and said, oh, we're all about the second amendment. Well, until Kyle Rittenhouse had to defend his life. Then they actually jumped on Kyle Rittenhouse. That's how quickly their values were, were apparently wiped away and sold. That, that can't happen with God Country Team. So here's what you can do to be the first to buy Bonefrog Coffee through this partnership of ours, through Tim Cruikshank, Bonefrog Coffee, and the Todd Herman Show. You just go to bonefrog.us. And there's a whole series of specials there. There's a whole series of types of coffee. You can see a video talking about the founding of this great company and why Tim chose Bonefrog. You'll learn about the Bonefrog logo and what it means in the SEAL community. There's Bonefrog medium roast, dark roast, medium, dark, light roast. And by the way, I've never liked a light roast before, but I liked it with Bonefrog. It is now my coffee of choice. And yes, by the way, they are going to be using it at my coffee hut. I confirmed that this morning. Bonefrog.us. And there's no place. You, you go God country team. This is another thing that is being instilled in this great race to just completely destroy any form of actual principles other than the principle of power, the power principle. Where does that fit in in a military community? Because if we're going to start, and this is what they've done at the top, if we're going to start saying you can't have this seat on the SCOTUS unless you are a black woman, well, now we need to have black women running combat units. What if no black woman can make the test? Doesn't matter. We need to have a black woman. What if she can't complete? Buds, what does it matter? We have to have her there. It is a lowering 
of the most important principle that exists when you're placing people in positions of authority. And this is biblical. People who are placed in authority have to be people who deserve authority because it's stewardship. It's stewardship of God's people. As a leader, you are stewarding people. So are we going to have branches now of the military where we're going to go back to the Buffalo soldier? And this is just a black unit. See, to get trapped in this, as these people on the school board are trapped in it, you're adults. You have the ability to say this is wrong. And this is some of the tools that we can use to point out this is wrong. I'm not kidding on this. If you're at a diversity committee and they're talking about, we need to have a black person in this position. We need to have our own Kentanji Brown Jackson. So we need a black person in this role. I, I would, and I'm telling you I would, in such a meeting, I would raise my hand and say, yeah, you know, I'm fully in support of this. Uh, my question is, how do we uh, make sure someone is very, very black? I, I mean, I want the blackest of black people. So how do we do that? Fine, because I don't want someone who's kind of just identifies as black. I want someone who's really, really black. Speaking of which, we've got this seat over here that didn't we say, we're going to have a, a gay a gay man in this position. How do we just go ahead and judge their gayness? Because I want to make sure they're super gay, not kind of gay, not like gay, curious, or bi. I need someone who's super, super, super gay. So can, can we ask some specific questions about their gayness? And if it sounds absurd, it's because it is. But under the principle of power, the power principle that's being employed by the party, they're already doing this with injections. The government, we just spoke about Tim Cruikshank and Bonefrog Coffee. The government is giving the Department of Defense, oh, you want an administrative waiver from the injections? Fine, you can have an administrative waiver. You want another? You, you, you can't get it done in combat, so you can't get injected in combat? Fine, you get a waiver. But you want a religious waiver? Oh, absolutely not. We're not giving out any religious waivers. So you're a Navy SEAL and you're basically locked up. There's a SEAL who will not get injected, so they won't let him out of training camp. I know that's not the right phrase, but they won't let him out of where he trained. He's supposed to be with his team in the field. They basically have him in prison. Sorry, we can't reassign you until you get injected. Well, what about my religious waiver? Well, we're not certain that you're, that you're really sincere. We're not sure that you're really Christian. So maybe if you would go ahead and get yourself crucified and then raise yourself from the dead, then we'll know that you're really, really Christian. This is the extent. This is the power principle. And if you're trapped in this, it's our job to be willing to be the people to speak up against this and do it in these clever ways. Because there are people who are winning. And they're winning by calling this out for what it is. It doesn't always have to be in a clever way. There's a lawsuit that's finally a victory, and this is in Virginia. So Virginia school districts, just like the Issaquah School District in the separate country of Washington, they decided to segregate. Now, in the case in, in Issaquah, they simply just decided to block you know, non, non-people of color from a certain meeting. In Virginia, they were making it difficult for Asians to get into these schools because they removed merit. Now, if you take a society that's supposed to be based upon actual equality, not the made up equity thing, but actual equality, what equals things out? 
I'll give you an example. Well, let me explain this. You know what is a great equalizer in the world? Hustle. You know what is the predominant human equalizer? Resilience. Hustle and resilience will beat just about anything else. If you work harder, you work more often, you work more diligently, you accept advice, you bring teams together, you surround yourself with wise advisors because the advice of many is better than the head of one. If you align yourself with God's work primarily and you do these things, that is a fantastic equalizer. Because you can go through, take an example we can all relate to. Take an example of sports leagues. I grew up with a guy who was the most gifted athlete I think I would wager that any of us have ever met. He in in the what was his sophomore year, this guy had never lifted a weight. He walked into the weight room having never lifted a weight and he sat down at the bench press and and put up like 275, which is pretty good for a guy who'd never lifted a weight and his body was chiseled. He was 62 And then we had a running race on the football team. This guy, 6'2", and weighed above 200 pounds and just pure muscle. They had lined him up to be an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. Then they announced on the the team, the coaches said, hey, we're going to have a foot race. And you're done running when you win a race. So for all his linemen, we were screwed. Because we had some very fast people on the team, but everybody had to race. So it started out, you know, you're going to have your wide receivers, the free safeties, they're all going to win the races. Uh Uh-uh. This guy won that race. He won it against a running back who was on the national, national team, nationally recruited by Notre Dame and Stanford. He won it against a quarterback who was recruited all throughout the Pac-10. He won it against a wide receiver who opted to go play basketball for the Pac-10 versus being a wide receiver for, and he was recruited nationwide. This guy won that because he didn't want to run anymore. He was lazy. He quit football so he could smoke pot. He had every possible tool And he didn't pursue it because he didn't have the hustle and he didn't have the heart. And frankly, to be kinder, it's not what he wanted to do. I recently saw a picture of this guy. He is still unbelievably athletic looking. And I asked, I saw this picture of him on Facebook on someone's boat. And I asked around, does he lift yet? They go, no, he doesn't. What? 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 Nah, he just works at his auto shop. He doesn't, he hates lifting weights. Oh, hustle, perseverance. The ability to come back. Resilience. That's what's being wiped out in all this. Those factors don't matter, and yet people are still winning. I'll get to that in just a second. You speak of resilience, perseverance. My friend Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management's both of those things. He talked really openly um, on our program about the down period in his life. His first two gigs in financial management ended in, not not his fault, the companies he'd went to work for were hit by the housing crisis and then other crises and just, just wiped out the beginning of his career. 
And yet, resilience, perseverance, and trusting in God. And this was what really Zach told the story of he realized, like, I'm not really, uh, I'm not aligning this with the Lord. So when he began working on Bulwark Capital Management, and this is so, so many years ago, he aligned himself with God's work thinking, what am I? I'm a steward of people's money. At Bulwark Capital Management, that starts with a focus on risk management. And because this, you can win, have all the financial wins you want, but if you're not having a focus on risk management, well, then the downside can be even steeper. So Zach at uh, Bulwark Capital Management focuses on that. He has been working with people who didn't think they could retire early, but many of them are finding out they can. What would that mean to you to retire early? Does it mean you could move to the high mountains of free America or to a freer state? Does it mean you can pursue mission work directly for the Lord? Does it mean that you can retire and coach your grandkids in football, baseball, etc., so that you could work on reinstalling the meritocracy that used to be America? So easy to find out if you can retire now. And if you can't, what will you need to do so that you can? Simply call Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Reminder that investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative, Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. And it's meritocracy. So what the party has done across the board, they have wiped out the merit of following the law unless it relates to woke masks, power principle. They've wiped out the principle of law and order unless you happen to have walked on to the lawn of the Capitol and all of a sudden now law and order is our principle. Again, I think as you heard the president say last week, uh, standing up for our values is not without cause. Not without cost, up to and including a young man killing himself. A young man who did not break anything or even touch anything, according to his eulogy. The wiping out meritocracy. So the woman who may well be on the Supreme Court will forever have to live with the fact that Kentanji Brown Jackson made it into this pool as the smallest group of applicants ever considered in the history of the court. Let's start with the smallest portion of this. She's mobbed up. Her husband is related to GOP speaker Paul Ryan. What are the odds? I'm not saying that Ryan pulled a string. I'm saying we have a ruling class. So number one, we have a ruling class that puts her in the smallest of the small group. This is the smallest search ever done for an important position. Number two, she has to be a lawyer from an august school. That's an even smaller group. Number three, we've decided that only judges can sit on the Supreme Court. Well, the case of, I guess, Clarence Thomas, but you, 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 you get to that small of a group and she has to be a woman. And no doubt she has to be a member of an intersectional attitude class, as is proven by the fact that her husband likes to tell you he's a man. He's a, quote, doctor who believes it's necessary to tell you that he's a man, even though you can look at him and say you're a man. You've gotten down to how many people in the United States would ever fit this profile. It might be as low as what, 13,000 people in a country of 330 million. We get down to 13,000 people or something from which to choose. 
This, in fact, destroys the principle of hustle. It, it just destroys the principle of resilience. I don't know if she's resilient or not. I don't care. Forevermore, if she becomes justice of the Supreme Court, Justice Kentanji Brown Jackson should have an asterisk next to her name. We didn't do a search for this position. Not all applicants were viable. The first and foremost was chromosomes. That's it. And the defenders of this will say, but, 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 but we have to solve this, this traditional wrong. Okay, solve it. Do an actual search for black lawyers. That's a big group. They could be community college law professors. That's a big group. I personally believe they don't need to be lawyers. Do a broader search. The Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the founding papers are not mysterious documents read, readable, and understandable only by lawyers. History majors can understand it. My friend Kevin the Cop understands it. He doesn't have a degree in history. He studied the founders his entire life. But then again, I mean, he's white, so come on. The Lord is anti-racism. He's anti-ruling class. How do I know? Because the Lord Jesus could have gone to the ruling class. He could have come in and said, did you see what I just did? You see that? I just made bread for five and fish for 5,000 people out of a small piece of bread and a little, little bit of fish that fit in the little boy's hand. You see what I just did? You need me and your team. He didn't because he didn't come for the ruling class. The ruler of the universe, the inventor of all things, didn't want a ruling class, and yet we're installing one in the United States. But there's victories. There's victories in Virginia. In the state of Virginia, schools decided to make it very, very difficult for Asian people to get in. This is the same thing they did at Harvard. Harvard is allowed to get away with it. Why? Because ruling class. That's the answer. Because ruling class. That's the answer. They specifically designed a program to keep Asian people out. It's racism. It's power politics. It's no principle. And I think, as you heard the president say last week, uh, standing up for our values is not without cause. Standing up for your values would say, we're sorry that black people are having a problem making it into Harvard. Maybe we should look at what's going on within the black family structure. Maybe we should look at the schools, the government schools black people are trapped in. You ever see the documentary called The Cartel? It was filmed in New York and black families cried when they learned that their kids would get into charter schools or wouldn't. One set tears of joy, other set tears of absolute sadness and terror that their kids are going to have to go to these prison schools. So there's been a victory. And this is in the state of Virginia. This is a woman who helped fight for this victory. Arsa Q. Norman celebrating that there are actually judges who will, in fact, uphold the value that we see on the Statue of Liberty blindness oh my god you guys you cannot believe this it's been two years two years that our families have been fighting and we have won the coalition for tj and pacific legal foundation have won 
Todd Hilton, judge in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia, just issued his ruling in coalition for TJ versus Fairfax County School Board, and we won. He ruled that, in fact, Fairfax County School Board participated in racism and discrimination against our Asian families. He is explicit and he has said that this new admissions process that removed merit is over, done, dead. We are going to tell you so much more. We're going to go to TJ today, 5.30 p.m. for a press conference. Whatever families are that can show up, we will. All of America just know right now that we fought. These were mostly immigrant, mostly Asian families of quote color. And you know what we said? We don't want this illegal equity. Yeah, because it's a made up concept. It's a concept that does away with the most important human value. Resilience. Now, not all of us. In fact, none of us are the Lord Jesus. But you speak of resilience conquering the grave. You speak of resilience. The apostles kept going. Eleven of them were martyred. They kept going. Resilience. That's what we're about. And these policies just do away with resilience. Um, I understand that we say things on the podcast sometimes that are not to be said. I understand that saying things like, well, how gay are they? Or not to be said. Or in a, in a meeting. If I ever did go to work in corporate America again and I was in a diversity meeting, and they're saying, we need to have a black person in this position. I pledge to you here and now, I will raise my hand and say, uh, let's make sure they're super, super black. I want the blackest of the black. Now, I don't say those things to shock. I say those things to set in front of us the absolute bizarre times in which we live. And one way I think that we can help people, which is with these pattern interrupts, they're stuck in patterns. So if you're okay with presentations like this and you think people need a little bit of a nudge to move forward in asking these questions in polite ways, but in provocative ways, then this might be a podcast that you share with friends and simply email it around to some of your friends. I've spoken so much today about regret of how I acted as a child and things that I failed to do as a child. Sometime or another, you grow well, backbone, to say it in a polite way. And I think when I really grew backbone, probably happened sometime around ninth grade. And I can remember the circumstance. It was simply locker room stuff. It was after a football practice. And some boys thought what would be fun is to beat up Small kid on our team who may well have been part black. We didn't know at the time. And that same kid who, me, turned my back on Evan. That same kid who didn't stop the fire. Didn't yell at the teens to stop. Spoke up. I wasn't, I think it was an eighth grader in the midst of ninth graders. But I spoke up. I intervened. And put myself between these boys who were picking on this little guy and him. And I was scared to death. And what I learned at that moment was that, A, I was not as tough as I thought I was. Because one of the aggressors just completely shoved me out of the way. But I learned this. 
standing up is contagious. And a kid that I had been scared of my entire life, his name was Keith. And everybody was scared of Keith. I don't know why, but we all were. He stepped in. And when he stepped into the group, everything froze. Keith wasn't the biggest. I'd never seen Keith fight. In fact, he wasn't great at football. In fact, he was kind of a stoner. But we were all scared of him. Don't know why, but I know Keith stopped it. And at that moment, I saw this contagiousness of bravery. Because I was about to get my head handed to me. I didn't because of Keith. We have the ultimate model of a Lord willing to die for us with the ultimate resilience of rebirth. Our country is in need of resilience. It starts with speaking truth, sometimes in rough ways. If you're in a corporate meeting and the decision has been made that a gay person has to take a seat of power in your company, I beg you to ask how gay they need to be. How black do they need to be and how do we know? Hold them to their principles or as Jen Psaki pretends to have, their values. Because their value is power. And there's only one real power in the universe. This is the Todd Herman Show. Go be well, be strong, be kind, and let's be right together with that power. God Almighty.